0: This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Flatow. Multiple myeloma is the second most common blood cancer in the U.S., and so far, it's incurable. Patients may live years on treatments, but almost all relapse and may no longer respond to a treatment that was previously working. Researchers are looking for more effective treatments, ones that may increase the time patients are in remission or even avoid relapse entirely. And now, a new experimental treatment is getting good numbers in clinical trials. Called talquetamab, it's been achieving positive results in over 70% of patients overall in phase one and phase two clinical trials so far, and achieving remissions of months longer than existing treatment. Here to explain more, plus why multiple myeloma is such a tricky cancer to treat, is Dr. Ajay Chari. Director of Clinical Research for Multiple Myeloma at Mount Sinai's Icon School of Medicine in New York. Welcome, Dr. Chari.
1: Thank you so much, Ira. A pleasure to be here.
0: Nice to have you. Uh, so you've gotten data from both phase one, phase two trials of this drug so far. Uh, what to you is the most encouraging part of the results?
1: The, uh, the phase one just got published in New England, and phase two we just presented at our annual meeting. And I think the most exciting thing is that these are patients, some of whom have exhausted all available therapies, and we're still seeing response rate of 70%, and those responses occur as quickly as one month, and their deepest remissions can actually be achieved within two months. So imagine if you're a patient who's exhausted all therapies to be having one of the deepest, most durable remissions you've had in recent years um, on, a, on this new therapy. So it's incredibly gratifying for our entire healthcare team to be seeing these patients doing so well.
0: As I mentioned, multiple myeloma is considered incurable. Why is it so common for patients to have a relapse?
1: That's the million-dollar question. Uh, I guess part of it is who gets myeloma. These typically are patients in their 60s and 70s, and we think perhaps everybody might have a little bit of an abnormal plasma cell. So the culprit cell in myeloma is known as a plasma cell, which normally makes antibodies. But when this cancer becomes uh, cancerous or malignant, Rather than making all the antibodies we need to fight off infections, it overproduces one antibody. One possible hypothesis is that if we have the small levels of these abnormal cells, when we're younger, our immune system is able to survey and get rid of them. And then perhaps that gets lazier as we get older. And there's a lot of genetic complexity to myeloma and immunologic complexity. So between the age, the disease, the immune microenvironment, those are probably all factors as to why Every treatment works for a while, but then it stops working.
0: Yeah. Well, tell me then, what is there about this treatment that works so differently from existing treatments?
1: It's really remarkable because historically to get a new drug approved in this what we call unmet needs, if you take a patient that's exhausted all all available therapies at that time, the benchmark was a 20 to 30 percent response rate lasting three to four months. And now we never thought we'd be attaining these results, but between this mode of action called bispecifics and a separate one called CAR T. We're saying seventy to hundred is the new twenty to thirty. I mean, those are the responses we're seeing, even though we wouldn't even have expected these T cells, which are the basically the sniper cells here that we're actually activating, in these patients who've had you know up to five, six different types of chemotherapy cocktails or lines of therapy over say the last six years, in spite of having been beaten up by all of these regimens in terms of the immune system we're getting these outstanding responses, and it probably just speaks to this kind of untapped potential. A lot of our treatments have been targeting the cancer and maybe some parts of the immune microenvironment, but this really is harnessing probably one of the most important sniper cells, if you will, the T cell, and presumably that's a big part of why 70 to 100 is the new 20 to 30.
0: Hmm. Well, that's what I'm trying to understand. What does this drug do, you know, with the T cells that the other drugs are not doing?
1: So... You know, it's actually an interesting, if we go back a little bit in medical history, every human monoclonal antibody, whether it's for COVID, uh, autoimmune diseases, uh, cancers, it's all due to myeloma. Back in the 80s, the Nobel Prize was given to somebody who decided to fuse a myeloma cell to a spleen cell. And that fused cell called a hybridoma cranked out antibodies. And so you can kind of genetically um, and in the laboratory manipulate these cells and make different antibodies that we need, whether it's to treat COVID or other things. The first antibody for myeloma didn't get approved till 30 years later, and that was considered a naked antibody. It has this Y-shaped structure and the, the two parts of the Y bind to whatever your target is, typically the myeloma. Here, the innovation is it's a bispecific antibody. So the Y-shaped structure, one part is binding to the myeloma and the other side is binding to the T cell, the sniper cell. So depending on what somebody's into, you can consider them handcuffs, or you can consider double-sided <laughs> tape. But basically, these T cells that are existing within each patient are being trafficked to exactly where the cancer is. And then these T cells come alive. They realize, hey, this is an the enemy. They release chemicals, and those chemicals po- poke holes in the cancer membrane, and these cancer cells wither away rapidly. So um, it's it's a remarkable feat of accomplishment. But these Bispecific antibodies, There's there was one approved many years ago or several years ago for acute lymphocytic leukemia, but it's a rare condition and only given in academic centers here. These bispecific antibodies, myeloma is the first. Uh, one just got approved a few weeks ago. This one probably would be second, but there's other diseases including lymphomas, leukemias. This is a broad uh, approach to treating cancer. It's kind of you know a designer antibody, not just the original antibody that we've had for 30 years, but the next generation.
0: So, what I hear you saying is that the, the, is that the drugs help the T-cells help the immune system find the cancer and then attack Correct. it. Would that be right? Exactly. Because cancers usually evade the immune system, but you have found a way of getting around that.
1: Yeah, and what's particularly striking, these are in patients with a median age of 67 with many prior chemotherapies. So, this is what's so remarkable that, you know, the 70 to 100 in such heavily treated patients, and of course, it begs the question, of how might these do even in less heavily treated patients? Can we see a future where can we put an end to chemotherapy? Because no chemotherapy drug is giving this kind of response rate as a single agent. We certainly combine drugs. And I don't want to dismiss, you know, we've made a lot of progress on the backbones of those agents, but um, this is kind of potentially a logarithmic improvement in terms of outcomes. So there's a lot of excitement. Um, We're just at the cusp of this type of treatment. And this is single agent therapy, but both combinations and in less heavily treated patients is really uh, exciting as well to to think about the future,
0: Doctor. Let's talk about the side effects. Are they manageable?
1: Yes, I think. Um, and you don't have you know. I always think it's important to take the patient experience, especially as we get more choices. Uh, you know, and doctors and nurses can say one thing, but ultimately it's the patient who votes with their feet. So the number of patients that came off this study, which is about uh, 288 patients, was five percent. So percent came off due to adverse events, which is relatively low. Um, and I think the remaining 95% stayed on treatment as long as it was benefiting them. So I think that that's amazing. Really speaks for itself.
0: That, that is. We've talked about CAR-T therapy on the show before, which is another way, and you, you mentioned it, to get T-cells to work more effectively. Could your bi-specific antibodies be better than CAR-T and more affordable?
1: So when I was asked a similar question at our national conference, my response was what I'm gonna tell you now. I think these are all are like our children, right? We have to love them all and um, different kids have different strengths. And that's what I would say here as well. And one way I would kind of translate this is uh, I was actually assigned bispecifics as a topic recently at our uh, at a European Hematology Association and the debate was CAR T versus bispecific. And I think um, the pros of CAR T are it's really ideally a one-and-done approach because you there you're taking um, a big difference is you have to take each patient's t cells out of the patient by a process called pheresis, kind of like a dialysis process. And then the laboratory genetically manipulates it, and then it's put back in the patient. So um, it's personalized immunotherapy, if you will, but it takes a lot longer because of the nature of having to do all of that manipulation. In contrast, bispecifics are off the shelf. It's It's the same product that every patient is getting. It's not personalized in the way that CAR-T is. And it means it's ready to go. And I think that's one of the big differences because if you can imagine, these are patients who've had typically five different types of chemotherapy. They've had exhausted all available drugs. And if your myeloma is exploding, you don't have the time to wait for collection, manufacturing, administration. So I think probably one of the biggest differentiating factors between the two is that Patients with rapidly progressive disease don't have the luxury of waiting for a CAR T. They need to go to a bispecific. And also, there's tremendous constraints right now in CAR Ts between the so-called vectors, the viruses that are used to make CAR T, the number of spots, lengthy wait times. So this is a the way I would conclude it is. I think both are important. Both are extraordinary developments. Both are in the seventy to hundred percent response rate. But I think the way I made the analogy I closed with in my debate was these CAR T's are like Rolls Royce Phantoms, very hard to get. We all want them, but rare and, and expensive. But uh, the bi-specifics, I would argue, are not that necessarily different uh, in terms of expense because you're giving the drug repeatedly, right? So CAR T, you do one costly intervention, and there is some recovery period there too. But the bi-specifics have to begin typically, depending on the drug, anywhere from weekly to monthly. And so there is cost with that. But I think the comparison would be Toyota Corollas, right? widely available, the most sold car globally, and really what makes the world go around. So by specifics, I could foresee eventually also being given in the community. I don't see that happening with CAR-T anytime soon, because basically CAR-Ts are like transplants. They're going to be done at large academic centers. And so um, they're really different products, and I think we need them all. And also, we're so early. We're going to probably also have sequencing issues. Just because you get one doesn't mean you can't get the other, Mm -hmm. but we need to generate that data too.
0: Dr. Chari, I have one last question for you, because I know when we we, we broadcast this on the radio and, and podcasting, and all the people who are ill with cancer, and especially multiple myeloma, they're going to say, how do I get in on either one of these tests, or when can I get this drug for me? What do you say to that? I would say
1: it's very important for every myeloma patient, even from newly diagnosed all the way to those who've had all of the easy drugs that are approved by the FDA, it's really important to work in collaboration with an academic myeloma center. And studies have shown that those patients who do that actually have better outcomes and live longer. And so one is to have that partnership. And it doesn't mean you have to
0: drive hours every day to get all your treatment or every week, but it means there should be a collaborative relationship. Well, what I'm asking is, I guess, is it available? I mean, if you drive to get your stuff, is it available to drive to and get the treatment?
1: I think there's two ways. There are now two commercial CAR-Ts and there's also commercial bispecifics. So there's three products that are available, but they're not being done in the community yet. So you'd have to go to an academic medical center. Then there's a a bunch of additional CAR-Ts and bispecifics that are actually in clinical trials, because as I said, if the CAR-T slots are few and far between, and there's a a research CAR-T slot that's actually demonstrating activity. So that's why I was encouraging collaboration with academia, because Right now, um, all of these products are very tightly linked, and there's a steep learning right. curve to giving them, right. which, which has been mastered. But for now, I would say collaboration. But in the future, I would love to see these patients getting their bispecifics from their community oncologists. But there's a le- I think that's going to take at least six months to a year to get all of those kinks worked
0: okay, out. Okay, I got a number out of you. Because <laughs> that's what everybody wants to know, is how long it, is it going to be till the average person in the public can get it?
1: It is available now. In all the academic centers in, in the because the first Bispecific just got approved and we're all trying to launch those. So contact your closest academic myeloma center.
0: Well, that's good news. Yeah. Dr. Cherry, thank you for taking time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Dr. Ajay Cherry, Director of Clinical Research for Multiple Myeloma at Mount Sinai's Icon School of Medicine in New York. This is Science Friday from W N Y C Studios.